0: Ruth chapter 2, we've, we started last week, and, and uh, we're starting on this series that we've called, and it's not a, not a long series we'll take, uh, just this week, last week and this week, two parts, but uh, Ruth chapter 2, and we've called it Loyalty, Love, and Family. And really what it is, is I believe God is speaking to us from this story. There are so many things that we learn from the story of Ruth. Uh, As I mentioned grace you see mercy one thing that's going to come out and uh, I I wish I had more time I could really spend a long time on this book but one major thing that comes out is this concept of what's called the kinsman redeemer that is to say the family redeemer and what the kinsman was was just a family member he was kin a brother sister cousin relative uncle whatever it was they were related They were kin, and redeemer, the simple definition of what it means to redeem something, it just means to buy something back, to get something, not just to get something back, but literally to buy that thing back, to purchase it back. So you've heard us talk about, and you've heard it, if you've been at church any length of time, or maybe you're familiar with kind of the Bible, you've heard of the, the redemption story. What does it mean to have a redemption? It's a, it, what it's referring to in our Bible is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, dying for humanity, and literally buying us back. From where? From death. Not buying us back from the devil. That's, that's fictional. The devil doesn't own anybody. The devil can't own anybody because he's lost just like the rest of the world. Did you know that? Yeah, the Bible says that he is a defeated foe. Now, he's still a, a foe. He's still the enemy, but he's defeated. His fate will one day be sealed, which makes him even more dangerous. We're seeing what happens right now when an enemy that's not that strong but is still dangerous when they start lashing out. This is what you really are seeing in, with the Russia-Ukrainian uh, conflict going on over there. An enemy that's not very powerful, but yet can be very dangerous, kind of like a snake, you know. When you stop and think about it, a venomous snake isn't very powerful. You can control it, you can grab it, you can stomp on it. Like me, you can run away from it. <laughs> it's not very strong, but it can bite, and it's got venom, so it can hurt you. And this is the way the devil is. He's, he's not that strong. He's defeated like everybody else, but we don't mess around with it. Why? You don't mess around with sin and the world. Why? Because it can bite and it can hurt you. You don't bring it in too close to your family. Why? Because it will hurt your family. You understand what it is but but so are the souls never belong to Satan they never belong to the devil God bought them back when Jesus went to Calvary he purchased our soul from what from death because the Bible says the day that Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the promise was that they would surely die and from that moment Death entered the world, Paul said, that death became a part of the human condition. This is why we live for a number of years, but then ultimately we die. Why is it? Because we are suffering the effects of the fall. And so what Christ did on Calvary was to reverse the effect of sin in the world, reverse the effect of that fallen nature, reverse the effect of the power of death and destruction on the earth, and to what? Buy us back. Not from the devil, no, from death. And one day, the Bible even says that not only will the devil be thrown into the lake that burns with fire for all eternity, but so will death. Death itself will be thrown into the lake of fire. In other words, it's going to be separated from the children of God. And this is the picture that we see in the book of Ruth. Some of you are like, what does this have to do with this lady over here? What it has to do with this lady is this idea of a kinsman redeemer. So we have Ruth that uh, has suffered great loss and Naomi who suffered great loss and Orpah who went back to her hometown. So when Ruth gets back to uh, the promised land with Naomi, to the people of God, to the people of Israel, now she is a widow, now she's an outcast, as it were. She doesn't have any family, she doesn't have, know anybody but Naomi. They're on their own. But then there was this guy who was a relative, a kin, a kinsman, who was related to Naomi. His name was Boaz. And as the story records, Because Ruth had made the right decisions, because Ruth had stayed faithful and loyal to Naomi, because she had stood by her side and chose to go back to her people and leave her mother and father, she caught the attention of this man, Boaz. Now we look at verse 11 of chapter 2 of the book of Ruth. The Bible says, And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. And they go on back and forth in their dialogue and And I want to jump down and just read another verse, verse 22. Now this is the story after Ruth, they had got done talking with Boaz. And Boaz says, I want you to stick with uh, my my maid servants, and you're going to glean in my field and and all this. And she goes back to Naomi. She's super excited because this is a potential mate. She realizes that her life might change because she met this man named Boaz. And so she's telling the story uh, to Naomi, her mother-in-law. And Naomi said to her, verse 22, Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. In other words, what Boaz told you, this is a good thing. This, this is a God thing. God is shining upon us. And, and we have clear instruction here. Nah, Ruth, what you need to be sure to do is you need to do exactly what Boaz said to do. In other words, don't go out with anybody else, meaning meaning don't go to work with anybody else. You stay with his maidservants, and you glean in his field. In other words, stick with his people. Everyone say his people. Everyone say his people. In his field. Say his field. See, this is what Naomi was telling her. You stick to his people. That's Boaz's people. In other words, don't mix with any other group. Otherwise, someone's going to begin to question your questioning your loyalty and your direction or your faith or belief in what Boaz was telling you. And then she said, and it's very important now, hear me, she says, don't go gleaning in any other field. If I had a title this morning in this thought, it would just simply be his people in his field. His people in his field. Now There's a number of things I learned before we get there. And I don't know if you realize it yet, but I've already started preaching. You kind of know me by now. But, but there's a number of things that we learn here. Number one, the blessings that Ruth was enduring. The blessings that she was enduring was because she made the right decisions months in advance. So in other words, the decisions that you and I make, the things that we decide to do, how we respond to trials, and I do believe so much of the blessing of God and the favor of God is on us by how we respond. Not just to trials, but also to triumphs. You know what tells you something about the character of a person? Not so much how they act when they lose, but more as just as much how they act when they win. It's how you act when things are going well. Oh, I feel something in the Holy Ghost right there. The time when life is good, there's food on the table, the mortgage, the rent is paid, the car doesn't have any lights on in the front, you know what I'm saying? So I've I've driven cars, car, the bells are going off, you know, check engine, check something, I don't even know what that is. What is that light? Everything's going right. Nothing's going wrong, so to speak. The, the paychecks are coming in fine. The salary's looking good. Your, your, your retirement account's okay. Everything's going well. Even in those moments, God cares about how you respond. Why is it when it's always when we get that negative report from the doctor or the car lights are going crazy or uh, money's not coming in the way? That's when it drives us to an altar. That's like the expectation. We get a notice that, that our body, we have a disease in our body and we, we respond with, oh, I need to, get to, I need to get to prayer. Something went wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. That's the right response when you're going through a trial. When you're going through a time of pain and loss and hurt, the altar is where you need to get to. And so if you're here today for the first time, let me tell you, you are in the right place. You're in a place where we believe that God changes any situation. When you bring your request and your petition to God, God can turn your marriage around, your finances around, your mind around, your emotions around. He can change your life. We believe that. But you're also a part of the church uh, that even when things are going right, we bring our substance to God saying, God, I recognize I am only blessed because you have been good to me. It's not my talent, not my energy, not my innovation. No, it's because you have been good. And God cares about that response, too. God cares about it when it's going bad and he cares about when it's going good. It's just like that that 10th leper. Oh, I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. The Bible says that God healed 10 different lepers, and there was only one that came back to give thanks to God for what he did in their life. The rest said, I'm out of here. I'm going home. I've been away from my family. I'm taking this good thing that I got. you got to be careful when treating God like an ATM machine or somehow a a lottery ticket that hits a winner. No, 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 no. It's God's bringing and wants us to come into relationship with him. The only reason why we experience miracles, and we do experience miracles. This is a place where we believe miracles do happen. But the only reason they happen is to point people to Jesus. The Bible says the disciples went forth and what? They confirmed the word of God. That's what the Bible teaches with many signs following them. Why did they have signs, wonders, and miracles? So that we feel better? So that we, we, are, we, we are more comfortable? So that we don't have to struggle? No, 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 that wasn't it. It was to point people to Jesus. The signs, the wonders, the miracles were a testimony of how awesome God is. God's going to heal your body, but he's doing it so that you would have faith in him for the bigger problems and bigger situations. But how many times do we see God answer a prayer and it's like we get this answer to prayer and then we just move on with our life, on to the next problem, onto the next situation, on to the next miracle that we need done. And our lives just turn into a God, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. Instead of saying, God, you're awesome, thank you, your blessings, you bless me more than anything I could ever wish for or dream about. What do am, what am, what you want to preach about? I'm talking about being thankful and recognizing God in the bad times, but also in the good times. Saying, God, I thank you. My, and, and that's what I'm saying. Your response matters. How you respond to God matters in the bad and in the good. And so for Ruth, it was this. She responded to God right in the dark times and in the good times. And how she got into this place It tells me that how you respond to God will go before you. Notice what Boaz said. He said, it has been fully reported to me. In other words, everything that you've been through, all your struggles, your entire situation, they told me all about it. And not only your situation, how you responded to that situation. Can I tell you, your response will be a testimony, not just to you, but to everybody around you. How you're going to get through uh, is how you respond. The Bible says they overcame them by the blood of the lamb and by the word. Everyone say the word. The word of their testimony. When you start talking about what God's done for you, start talking about how good he's been to you, start talking about where he brought you out of. That's your testimony. Some of you need to learn to tell your testimony more. People need to hear your testimony. I wonder, did you, did you hear what I just said? People need to hear your testimony what God did in your marriage, what God did in your finances. Don't hold it up. People think, well, I don't want want people to think I'm bragging. or something." You're not bragging about you. You're bragging about God. You're not saying this is what I did. This is what God did. Uh, I'm not saying this to bring glory to myself. No, I'm saying it to bring glory to God. And you need to start sharing your testimony. And don't just share your testimony with others. You need to share it with yourself. You know, there's times we got to remind ourselves what God brought us through. Because your present circumstance often looks so daunting that there's no way out of it. And it gets so big and so bad and so ugly that you forget what God already brought you out of. You say, oh yeah, but I've never faced this before. You're right, you never have, but you're not the same man that you used to be. That mountain's still the mountain, but you're stronger than you were before. You say, yeah, yeah, but I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I think I should be. I'm not where I I could be. I don't pray like everyone else. I don't do what everyone else says. Yeah, you might not be where you want to be, should be, could be, but you're not where you used to be. You might not be where you're supposed to be, uh, but you're stronger than you've ever been before. Uh, So you need to tell yourself, God brought me through that before. He's going to bring me here here now. He's going to bring me through this. He survived. He brought me out of that trial before. He's going to bring me through this trial. He healed my body before so he can heal me now. He gave me direction when I was lost before. He's going to keep leading me all the way through. Oh, someone needs to start preaching their testimony to themselves. I can't even tell you how many prayer meetings I've had. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you how many prayer meetings I had where I had to take out the historical notebook, so to speak. And go back in time and remember, God, when I, when I went through that trial, I remember I felt like this. Or I remember I said these prayers. Or I remember I was confused. I remember I was hurt. And that person said this to me and I just thought it was the end of the world. And you lay it out before God. And it's almost like you took a, a log of what God did for you. some way it wasn't always a check in the mail sometimes it was just someone saying hey here's 20 bucks here hey here's 30 dollars hey and at the end of the story somehow i had enough to get me through it's not always that big miracle that takes you through sometimes it's the small steps the little things the small victories oh i'm talking to someone today you got to understand god has been good to you God's brought you a mighty long way. When we get this in our minds, when we get this in our minds, that God cares about how we respond, God cares about when we respond in faith or when we respond in fear, it impacts you going forward, and people will know. People will know that story. People will hear of your, rep, your reputation and what God did for you, her sacrifice, Ruth, her sacrifice was rewarded by a good reputation, a good name. The Bible says of a good name, Proverbs 22.1. The Bible says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. Well, That is a message that should, should be preached all over our world. A good reputation. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. How many times do people sacrifice their ethic, sacrifice their integrity to make a few extra bucks? Oh, I just saw on the news the other day where all these people with the PPP loans, whatever that was, I always say that wrong, is it P, whatever whatever loan it is, they were giving out all sorts of money because of COVID, and now the government's coming out, and they're starting to find people and charge people because there was, uh, surprisingly, a ton of fraud going on during this time. Of course there is. They're throwing money, you know, everywhere. Of course people are going to do it. And so what do they do? They, they sacrifice their integrity. They lie. They say, oh, yeah, I got a business called ABC Plumbing or whatever. You know, really? ABC, that's, that's original. They didn't have it, and they took millions of dollars and Bought houses and did all sorts of crazy stuff. For what? For money. The Bible says a good reputation should be chosen. I'm talking to people that for the church, not just life church's reputation, but for every single person, it should be said at work that we're the hardest working ones. That we have the highest work ethic. That we can be trusted that we're not just out to make a dollar, but we're in it for a good business deal. And a good business deal isn't that you get paid more than the other person or or somehow you get the, the the larger straw, as it were. No, that two parties, hear me, two parties walk away with, hey, that was a good deal. We We had a good transaction there. When someone does business with me, you know what I want them to think? I want them to think, man, that was fair. Or I, I think that was the right way it should have been. I, I don't want them walking away from a deal thinking, oh, man, he's, he ripped me off on that one. He didn't, he didn't sell me right. He, he, he didn't represent that the right way. Why is that? Because we're the people of God. And our reputation matters. What the business world, the people that you interact with, what they think about us and you matters. All right, I'm, I'm preaching this morning, but that's all right. And I, I know it's a little bit of pastoring, but, but we got to be a people that have a good name. Why? Because it's not just our name that we're representing. We're also representing the name that's above every name. And so when people interact with us, they're going to associate us with Jesus. And I don't want anything, you hear me today, I don't want anything stopping you or anyone else from getting to Jesus. God forbid, help us, Lord, that someone would not make it to heaven because they don't like me. Some of us, we've never thought about that before. But how, how are we going to win people to God? How are, uh, how are we going to bring people to the family of God when they don't even like the family? Did you know that? You know that in order to win someone to the way that you're thinking, you got to win them over to yourself. That's why I never understood these people that want to argue about everything. They go down to the local colleges. I did college ministry for a long time, and we would do evangelism on the the college campus. And I used to, from time to time, there'd be some knuckleheaded students that would just want to argue with people all the time. I would tell them, hey, 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 we're not here to argue. Now, if you want to get into a discussion, we'll can answer questions, but oftentimes it would turn into this like argument about doctrine and theology. It's like, hey, 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 you know, chill out on that stuff. Just chill out. You know, you gotta love people. And sometimes I wonder if it was actually coming from a, a genuine place, if there was a, a place of real love there. Your reputation matters. How you deal with people. Matters and God has not called us to be in this world that's dog eat dog and look out for number one and do whatever you got to do to get that's not our call. Our call is to represent Christ, our call is to be his hands and his feet in this world. Our call is to make disciples, our call is to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized in his name, the only name, and to be filled with the Holy Ghost that's our call, that's my call, that's my job, that's what I want to see happen, and I'm not going to let my pride, help me Lord, I'm not going to let my arrogance or my ego get in the way of that, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem paying a little bit more in certain places if I know it's going to endear me to someone, I'm not, I am not have to get the best deal as long as it's a good deal. As long as I can walk away from it, knowing that I have a good rapport with that person I was in dialogue with. Pastor, why are you spending so much time? Because I believe the Lord wants me to spend time right here. It's important that everything that we do, we're always thinking, I am representing God right now in this situation. There's plenty of times you're down there, and I know how tough it is sometimes, not just in the business sense, but just down there at Walmart, you know what I mean? Sometimes keeping your Holy Ghost at Walmart is like, man, Lord, that's got to be worth something right there. I mean, you wait in line. I mean, you want to say something, you know? You're sitting there smiling like, it's all right, sister. Keep, take your time. It's okay, you know? You want to say something, but you don't, you, you know? And I got to admit, I, sometimes I just haven't been as nice as I should have been. I didn't say something, you know, but I just... You I wasn't very, you know, I could have been more talkative, you know what I mean? But you're, you're holding it back, you know? That matters too. How you treat people at the Walmart. How you treat people when things aren't going well. Your reputation goes before you. And for Ruth, this is exactly what happened. Her response and her reputation went before her. And we don't, we don't need to act or respond like the world. We act and respond like Christ wants us and expects us. To respond, what did he do? The Bible says, as a sheep who went before his shears. The Bible says he was dumb. In other words, he closed his mouth. He knew that they were getting ready to crucify him, yet he didn't say anything. Like a sheep to a shear. In other words, he knew. He knew what was getting ready to happen. A sheep is is very timid. It's very quiet. It's very, the Bible says, just like that, he didn't say anything. Didn't buck up against it. Didn't fight against it. He understood. He understood. This is this is my call. You say, so So, what's our expectation? What, what is it? I'm just supposed to become a sheep? I'm just supposed to not say anything? I got to say something. I got to fight back. I got to defend my, my, my what? Well, your what? Your pride? I got to say something. The Bible makes it very clear. He says if someone strikes you on one cheek, you turn your other also. Bible makes it. But see, we're in a culture, and a society that says, Don't let people step on you. Don't let people talk to you like that. Don't don't let people be rude to you. You better stand up for yourself. And don't 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 act like I don't know what's going on. I get it. We're in a society, in a culture, where we want our kids to be tough and we want them to be able to defend themselves. You don't let anybody just push you around. But that has to be done in the context of the gospel. There's a, a difference between defending yourself and seeking out revenge for yourself. There's a, there's a difference between having a disciplined approach and just flying off the handle. Are you with me this morning? I know I think I offended some of you, but that's all right. We're, we're, I love you, and I, hope, I pray you love me too. But your reputation matters. How you respond to thing ma- th- things matter. This is what we see here From Ruth, we we don't respond like the world responds. We don't study like the world studies. We don't like like the world likes. We are different. Everyone say amen. The next thing I learned from Ruth is that she was in the right place. She was exactly where she was supposed to be a few weeks ago. I preached to you about being in the right place. Boaz only noticed her because she was doing what she was supposed to be doing. Mainly, she was at work. She was where she needed to be. You know what's so fascinating to me? Is that somehow work is always involved in the plan of God. Work is always attached to the plan of God. When Adam was created, one of the very first things God did and gave to Adam when he got to earth, crazy right he makes them breathes breath into them names them you know what he does he gives them a job he put them where in the garden to keep the garden and watch this he gave him a job before he gave him a wife did you see that so one of the first things he did hey some of you young adults i'm telling you right now you want to get married get a job I, I, I felt a revival amongst the parents they're like yes yes say that again am i right one of the first things he did he said you're created gave him a name you're adam now you're going to be the keeper of the field i'm giving you a job to do you're going to keep this garden and tend to it and then it was only after a while they realized it's not good that man should be alone and after he couldn't find a helper suitable for him he creates eve so, before he gets married, he gets a job. Work is so important. Why is it that we feel like work isn't like an option? It's a sad thing in our society, in a generation where we feel like we deserve something without doing anything, where we are expecting compensation and money and payment when we haven't yet done a thing, when we're not even doing anything. Work is a part. Of the God given mandate and the God given responsibility. That's why when you're young, you think you just want to be on vacation all the time. When you get older, you know that's not true. I was just telling someone the other day. It's like after a week of vacation, oh, I'm done. I'm like, we need to get back. Like, this is this ain't working right now. Let me get back to how many of you know I'm I'm telling the truth right now. Some of you guys are in retirement, you're looking for stuff to do. Some of you like, man, I gotta get back to work. I gotta. My, my mom's retired. Sometimes I asked my mom, she's retired. I'm like, I thought you were retired. Why are you working so hard, you know? you supposed to not work. But there's something inside of every single one of us that like, we are fulfilled in God when we are working, when we're, we're doing something for God. That's what the Bible says, whatever. I think this is Ecclesiastes. Whatever your hands find to do. Whatever your hands find to do, do it unto the Lord. Put your heart and soul into it. Work for God. God put that inside of you. And this is what Ruth was doing. You say, how do do you see that? Because the Bible says that she was gleaning. This concept of gleaning was going to work for the poor. The Bible always had, in, in, in the Old Testament, they always had what we would call some sort of social security program. They would have a way to help out the destitute, the orphans, the widows, the people that were poor. And the way that they would do this in Israel when they had fruit on the tree, whether it was some sort of uh, whatever fruit they have, walnuts, grapes, uh, whatever, on the vines, uh, uh, whatever fruit they were growing at the time of the agriculture they had in the region, they were not allowed to pick up any of the fruit that would fall from the tree. For that, they'd have to leave for the gleaners. These were people that were the poor, the destitute, the orphans, the widows. And so people were allowed to glean in the field. So we, you might hear this word glean in church services a lot because we say like we're just gleaning or gleaning from the presence of God or something like this. What we mean is that we're, we're picking up uh, something from God. And this is exactly what was going on uh, during the time of Ruth. She would go through the fields. Many women, children, they would go through the fields and begin to glean, pick up the fruits off the ground and put them there in their bushels and then bring them back Uh, And that would be how they would survive. They would glean from whatever was on on the ground. And so she would go there every single day, and that's where Boaz saw her. That's where Boaz took notice. She was working. She was putting and doing what God had put in her heart to do. She was moving. She was making progress. And, And can I tell you, Ruth was blessed while she was in the field. Some of us, we need to get to work, not just in the physical, but also in the spiritual and for the church. We need to be doing something for God. And when you begin to do something for God, when you begin to go after God and work for God and seek after God, that's when his blessings will find you. Well, that was one person. Thank you. I got one person to agree with that. Don't expect the blessings of God when you're sitting on the sidelines. Don't, don't expect the blessings of God when you're just watching the old paint dry. No, if you want the blessings and favor of God, you need to get to work in your kingdom. I quoted it earlier. Whatever your hand, find, hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Whatever your hands find to do, You say, well, what am I going to do for God? Well, what can I do? Whatever. What does that word mean anyway? Whatever. Turn to your neighbor and tell him whatever. So what what can I do for God? Turn to your neighbor and tell him again, whatever. Just do something. Do something. Get involved. See God do something in your life. Why don't you join a prayer team? Why don't you start an intercessory prayer group? Well, why don't you reach out to your neighbor? Do whatever your hands find to do, do it as hard. I'm telling you, and the blessings of God will become a part of your life. They'll begin to find you. Someone that does work for God, they can't hide from the opportunity and the blessings of God. You want God to step into your life? I have advice for you get involved in his kingdom. Get involved in his work and see what God will do for you. There are so many, but you'll you'll be in a place where you'll have to step back and say, okay, I can't do anymore. I can't take on anymore. The blessings will just begin to come in your life. But do not expect the blessings of God if you're not busy doing the work of God. It mattered that Ruth was at work. I'm almost done. I'm moving quickly here. But just as much as she was working and gleaning in the field, getting back to the the thrust of the message today, it mattered who Ruth was working with, and it mattered where she was working. Again, Naomi said, be sure, be sure. It's very important that you stay close to his people. In other words, that you work around the people that are in his circle don't, don't be associated, don't, don't, don't get out of line, don't, don't go in another place, you stick there. Why? Because if you stick there, then Boaz, is, in this case, Boaz will take notice of that. His blessing will be on you, his favor is going to be on you. But if you go other places, he's going to assume that you're moving off and moving out. And so you need to stick with his people. And it's very important, Naomi says, and it's very important that you do not glean in anyone else's field, but you stay faithful to that field. Why? Because if if she thought that somehow, if Boaz thought rather that Ruth was going somewhere else, he would say, well, I guess she's going somewhere else and someone else can redeem her and someone else, she's moved on. He said, no, but Naomi said, be sure that you stay with his people and stay in his field. It's incredibly important. And I believe God today is telling the very same thing to us. What matters is that we are in His field with His people. That you stay close to His church. That you walk with His people. That you stay in the field that He called you to be in. That you stay in the field that He called you to be a part of. Someone say amen. God didn't call you to be in any other field. Bible talks about, He says, Blesses the man that walketh down the counsel of the ungodly, standeth the way of sinners, sitteth and see the scornful. And the Bible says, he shall be like a tree. Everyone say a tree. A tree planted by the rivers of water. See, the thing about a tree is it doesn't get up and move around. <laughs> for, <laughs> for a tree to move, it takes an incredible amount of work. You got to dig out around. You got to uproot it. You gotta be sure to keep it fed in enough soil. You, the risk of killing that tree is great. It's very high. The safest thing you can do for the tree. We got some water coming down over here. Praise God. Rommel's out of here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're out of here. I think you can have it all. Yeah. Did I say we're moving next week? We're moving next week. Two o'clock. <laughs> Praise God. I'm almost done. The music can come. Let me just, let me just say this to you right now because it's incredibly important. And I'm not going to stand underneath those as in case. <laughs> to move a tree, Brother Donnie, you're, you're in gardening. You, you've done that landscaping. To move a tree is incredibly difficult, isn't it? In order to, especially if it's a, a large tree. You got to be very careful that you don't kill the tree. And you know what? It's really disturbing to me In our culture, in our time, that we think somehow we can just pick up and go to a different field, location, and not even think much about it. You need to understand that you and I, as Psalm 1 tells us, he shall be like a tree planted. When you have planted a tree, when you have been planted, it is important to grow where you are planted. And it might be, it might be that God is calling you to a different field and there's a job in a different state or there's something going on. It might be the case, but you better make sure that it's the will of God because what you're getting ready to do, what you're getting ready to do is uproot not just yourself, but watch all those little trees that you have with you. And you better understand that when you uproot that tree, the likelihood of it dying is very high. I said it's very high. Why? Because it's the field that's giving it life. It's the nutrients. It's the watering. It's the ground that God has strategically designed. Why? He shall shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. And that tree is going to bring forth fruit in its season. That's you and that's me. So the safest thing I can do is make sure I'm planted, that my roots are running deep, that I'm in the place that God put me. And if God wants to uproot me, that's up to him. And I'm going to trust that he's going to take care of that. But if God's not moving me, friend, I'm not going one inch without him. It only will be by him because he's going to preserve me. He's going to protect me. But if I don't have it, if I don't have that protection, if I don't have his safety, if I don't have his covering, I am taking a major risk. Major risk. can't even tell you how many times, how many stories that I've heard, I've seen young people broken bitter angry frustrated mom and dad couldn't figure out where they wanted to live and they were moving here moving there going this place going one place would hurt them so they would go to another place one place would look bad out there oh he looked at me wrong so they would go to another place I get it pain happens hurt happens It, it does but you got to realize what it's going to do to your family, what it does to you when you're constantly uprooting yourself. You say, Pastor, why are you talking? I don't know why I'm talking like that, but I think there's some people, you're, you're making a decision about, oh, this or that, taking a job. Before you take that job, you better make sure that God's speaking to you. You better make sure. And don't don't talk about, well, you know, I don't really hear the voice of God. I just kind of, you know, feel. No, 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 no. You need to hear the voice of God. Some people have told me, well, I just don't hear the voice of God. Well, then you need to pray until you hear the voice of God. (laughs) And certainly don't make a big decision without that. You say, why? Because it can destroy not just you, but your family. You need to stick to his people, his field. It matters where you're planted, and it matters who you're planted with. He said stick to his people and his field. And if you think it doesn't matter who you're running with, well, you haven't haven't lived very long. Sure it does. You could be guilty by association. Wrong place, wrong time, hang out with the wrong group of friends. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You were just in the car. You didn't even know they have the drugs. You didn't even know that guy was carrying a weapon, but you were in the car. Guilty by association. Now your life is flipped upside down. Oh, it matters who you're with, but it also matters where you're planted. Let's all stand this morning. I feel a special touch of the Holy Ghost here that today. I believe God is moving us into a new season. I believe there is a fresh anointing, fresh touch on us today. I feel his spirit. I feel a very pastoral spirit today. And I feel like I'm talking to someone, a number of people. And I feel the need just to tell you. I feel the need to tell you. Make sure you can hear the voice of God, but also stay close to the people of God. Stay close to the family of God. If you've never had a family, I'm telling you today, there's a family here for you. Maybe you've had a family life that wasn't so great. Maybe you've been hurt by other family members. Maybe you just think somehow, some way, God doesn't really care about you or even know you. Can I tell you, you're in a place where we believe God knows who you are, God cares who you are, God cares about every single decision. That you would ever make he cares about your choices he cares about your hurt he cares about your pain and not only does he care but i believe god has a plan for each and every one of us not just that he cares about us but he's got so much of a destiny he's thought it through he doesn't just know your name he knows your tomorrow He doesn't just know your identity. He's got your fight plan all mapped out. He knows what you could be if you surrender to him. But it takes that word right there, surrender. It takes that word to say, God, whatever you want for my life. God, whatever you want to do. Wherever you want me to be, that's where I'm going to be. Wherever you want me to go, that's where I'm going to go. God, I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm letting go. Just like Ruth told Naomi, see there's so many things here, so many, we call them types and shadows of the future church. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Where you die, that's where I'm going to die and be buried. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. It's that commitment. It's that loyalty. It's that decision that says, God, whatever you have for my life, that's what I want. God, I commit. I commit to being amongst your people, your family. The people that go by your name. And I'm going to stay planted where you want me to be. God, I'm going to listen to your voice. Every eye closed right now. Let me pray for you and then we're going to open up our altar. Father, in the name of Jesus today. God, I pray every confused spirit. Every distracted mind. God, that you would blow away all the fog of sin. Clear away the distractions. God, every person that has come this morning today that has struggled with direction, God, they've struggled with value, they've struggled with worth, self-worth. I pray, God, that you would give us a clear sound of a word in every mind and heart today that they are loved, they are valued that you know their name, you know the number of hairs that are on their head that you know they're coming That you know they're going, you know when they get up you know when they go to sleep God, I pray that you would give a peace and direction a love, and I pray God, every person today that cannot hear your voice, that they would be able to hear clearly what thus saith the word of the Lord what is being spoken today, God we surrender it all to you We commit once again to you. God, we need you every single day. Come on, Life Church, right where you're at, would you lift your hands, lift your voice. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe it's your first time here. You're not sure exactly what to say. That's all right. Just go ahead and lift your hands and just tell the Lord, God, I want whatever comes next. Whatever you have for me, God, that's what I want. Whatever you have next for me, Jesus, that's what I want to have. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Let's do this together. The music team's going to pray. We're going to open up this altar. We have a group of altar workers that are here. They're going to get in place this morning. If you have never received the Holy Ghost, you've never entered into a relationship with God, you've never known Him that way, I want to invite you. You can have a relationship with God starting right now, starting today, where your life can be changed forever. I'm going to invite you to the altar today. If you have something going on in your life, there's so many. I felt when I was preaching today, I was talking to a number of people this morning. I think there's a number of us that need to make a recommitment, a recommitment to God that says, Lord, I'm with you. I'm with your people. I'm in your field. God, whatever you want me to do, I want to get involved. There are a number that, that, that I felt in my spirit when I was preaching that you were making a commitment like, yes, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be a part. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick up that old mantle, that as it were, and I'm going to do work in the kingdom of God. God's calling you today to make that commitment. And so what we're going to do, I'd like you to come and pray. We're going to worship together whatever song they have to sing. We're going to worship the Lord. I'm going to open up this altar, which you can come and you can pray. We have a prayer team that will pray with you, help you pray. But let's just believe God for something supernatural going into this next season. How many believe God's got something special for us in this next season? There is a revival Here, there is revival now, and there is a group of people that we are getting ready to see that are lost in sin, and God is getting ready to bring them in. If you want to be a part of that, I just want you to step out of the aisle, step out of your pew, come down to the front, and say, God, whatever I can do, whatever you want to do, God, I want to be a part of that. God, I want to be a part of it. Maybe you're standing by someone that is new. Why don't you invite them to the front? Let's sing. Let's worship the Lord together right now as you come and you pray. Let's seek the Lord. Father, we love you today. Lord, there's nobody like you. God, I pray there be a special touch in this season. Let there be an anointing. Let there be a power on your people. God, let us receive uh, the anointing. Let us receive the blessing. That's it. Why don't you come? That's all right. Come in closer. Come in closer. Come in closer. Take your time today. Let's let God speak to us today. Let's sing. Let's sing. Let's sing. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Lift your hands. Lift your voices. Go ahead and recommit to the Lord right now. Lord, whatever you have for us. Whatever you have for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Whatever you have for my family. Whatever you have for my kids. Whatever you have for my future. God, I'm with you to the end. God, I'm with you to the end. I know you're with me, God. Lord, I know you're on my side. I know you're fighting my battles. <laughs> I know you're never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. I can feel the Holy Ghost. There's commitments being made right now. Why don't you find someone to pray with right now? Oh, find someone to pray with, believe with them. You're oh, yes, you got a way. You got a way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's all to Yes, he's all to Your stay. You got away. You got away. You got away. You <speaking in Spanish> Gonna wait hallelujah, on you Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm not turning back now. Yes, hallelujah. I'm, not turning back now. Oh. I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning back. Say, I'm going to wait. But I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. But I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.